I'll be talking about more than just the Benjamins. Welcome to Fintech Beat, where finance, technology, and policy come together. I'm your host, Chris Brummer, and the future of finance is now. This podcast has a number of traditions going back years, traditions that we hold to be self-evident or at least fun as much for ourselves as for our listeners. And topping off the list is the annual New Year's review of all that's happened in fintech, the good, the bad, and everything in between. And every year, I call on my friend Dan Gorfine to help make jolly on the year both behind us and immediately ahead. Now, as many of you know, Dan has his fingerprints all over Washington's fintech ecosystem. As a former chief innovation officer for the CFTC and now founder of Gattaca Horizons, a premier fintech consulting firm. And we'll be putting his insiderness to the test, handing out punchy awards like the biggest non-news news award and the I can't believe media missed this award. So get that last sip of eggnog in or something stronger and join us for the first New Year celebration of 2022. Dan, thanks so much. I uh, hope you caught that one right. You know, we're not the last celebration of 2021. We're the first of 2022. Uh, so let's pat our ourselves on the back for that. Love it, Chris. Happy New Year. Great to be back on with you. And uh, yeah, quite a year 2021 was and hopefully quite a good year that 2022 will be. That is the question. And as many of our listeners may be aware, we try every year to sort of hand out different kinds of awards to offer really a different kind of perspective on what exactly we've seen and what we may be seeing in that year ahead. So maybe we'll just kick it off with the first award called the I Can't Believe Media Missed That One Award. So drum roll, please. Dan, what do you think? What was the most underappreciated news of the year? Well, Chris, I mean, it it has been quite a year for fintech, and I do think something was missed. I mean, we we certainly saw headlines talking about DeFi and NFTs, and there was the GameStop saga. We had the stablecoin report. We've talked about CBDCs and the metaverse and buy now, pay later and crypto market. I'm getting dizzy. I'm getting dizzy. But, you know, I know we talk about all of these big headlines, but I think what was missed is just how dramatically the investment in fintech has increased in the past year. I'm going to list out some figures to you, but just three quarters of the way through 2021, I don't have the full year results, but Fintech funding reached $91.5 billion, which was almost double the total from 2020. Um, Almost one in every three newly minted unicorns was a fintech startup. And and fintech has emerged as the leading sector for startup investment. That's profound. So, you know, Chris, when we talk about COVID and the pandemic kind of driving a tipping point for digital adoption and all things digital and fintech, I think the numbers are pretty obvious that the amount of investment going into the space is really significant. You know, I think those numbers really are eye-opening, especially when you think 
back to the decade or so that you and I have been talking about fintech, and, and it's really staggering uh, when you think about just how far it's come. Uh, I, I think for me, what's been really underappreciated news has been uh, the successful moves by emerging countries to really grapple with and, and begin to successfully execute these central bank digital currency or CBDC projects. Um, I, I think here in the United States, obviously, when you when you uh, hear conversations about CBDC, they tend to center on uh, whether or not the United States will introduce a digital dollar or perhaps they will focus on um, uh, China's uh, uh, contemplation of a digital yuan. But, but I think it's, it's lost that there are other countries that are actually moving forward. I mean, we have Nigeria, you know, a, a country that will have one of the uh, perhaps 10 biggest GDPs in the next uh, decade or so. And, 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 and we have the Sand Dollar Project in the Bahamas. We have the Eastern Caribbean's Digital Cash or Dcash uh, project. And, and I think that when you look at those projects, these kinds of projects that, again, may slip a bit underneath the radar, I think that they're important. In fact, I, I'd even say that they change or should change the nature and the tone of the conversation away from what could we do um, to, to what should we do. And, and as a result, I think these kinds of case studies, these smaller steps are really kind of significant because they offer uh, real case studies, uh, the, the the prospect of, of real data for much more informed policymaking, uh, perhaps in sometimes the popular press and even some policymakers uh, may realize. So um, yeah, so I, I find these projects overlooked um, in terms of how they really are or at least should be signaling a turn or an upgrade in the policy conversation, and and again, that's that's not really been something up and 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 front and center in reporting. Chris, I totally agree with you. I mean, we're talking about money and you know, kind of the underpinning of our economy, and and to your point, that just highlights that the future of money is changing. To have a new form of central bank money of of, of fiat currency that's issued in you know, many of these instances tokenized format, that's a pretty dramatic shift to the the underlying infrastructure or plumbing of financial systems. So I agree with you. That's that's a big deal. Um, it does get, you know, some attention, but I don't know that folks have wrapped their heads around how profound that could be for the way that our economies function, you know, in the years forward. So I, I agree with that uh, that take. All right. So our next award goes to the most non-news news award. Drum roll, please. Okay, Dan, uh, what do you think? I mean, what what do you think has, I guess, gotten a lot of attention that that maybe you know doesn't really merit it? Well, I, you know, I, I, I'm I, I want to be very deferential to the Federal Reserve. It is a it is an esteemed institution in the United States, and obviously critically important, but. Back in February of 2021, uh, we got this announcement. The Federal Reserve amended the industry-wide launch timing for its instant payments platform, FedNow, to the year 2023. The announcement narrowed the delivery timeframe by a full year, updating a previous notice in 2019 that indicated industry-wide availability in 2023 or 2024. So I got to I gotta give that the non-news news award, Chris, because... I mean, A, we've been talking about faster payments for way too long. You know, B, 
All this did is move it up to the earlier of the two original years being offered. And three, we were just talking about central bank digital currency and, and the speed that we've seen tokens and crypto uh, uh, capable of transacting in. And I feel like this is just news that, that we needed to see years ago. Um, it's, it's, it's a bit behind the curve. And I think you know when we look at payment systems around the world and the, the desire to give especially uh, underbanked individuals faster access to their money, to payments, to paychecks. Um, that's really, really important stuff. So look, I think it's a critical effort. And I know we're all looking forward to uh, initiatives like FedNow, but you know, hopefully, um, hopefully we even beat the 2023 uh, timeframe. For me, I think the non-news involved the drama revolving around the word emeritus. And I have to say that when the hubbub erupted about Chris Giancarlo's use of it, I was left more than a little perplexed. Um, I, I'd actually studied Latin in high school, and the usage squared more or less with what I could recall. And so I did what any good nerd does and looked it up in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary and saw that it indeed commonly denotes an honorific of some sort of a retained title. But Webster's also notes that it can additionally mean, in the alternative, when this is what I'd always been taught, and I quote, retired from an office or position. So I, I actually felt a little uh, bad about this non-story. And uh, as a guy who got his PhD in the humanities, I guess I'm pretty hesitant about punishing people for having a good vocabulary, which is, uh, for me, the very definition of non-news. The third award, the I Can't Believe I'm Dreaming Award, drum roll please. Well, so so I'm going to say the I can't believe I'm dreaming. I mean, that's got to be like the the positive development, right, of 2021. So for that one, let's come back to your CBDC theme, uh, central bank digital currency. I do think that there has been a palpable shift in tone in the United States uh, around the potential for a central bank digital currency. There's still a lot of disagreement in terms of design choices and and how we move forward. Um, but I do think 2021 marked a turning point where you started to get the sense based on a number of initiatives at the Federal Reserve, both at the board level, as well as the Boston Fed, the New York Fed, um, that this may become something that's more of a, a, of a when, not an if. Um, I do think that there's still uh, a bit of a lack of understanding that, that it, broadly speaking, certainly not amongst the Fed, but broadly that this doesn't have to be a purely government uh, run program, nor does it have to be, you know, purely delegated to the private sector. As with other big things that we do in this country, a lot of them are public-private uh, partnerships. Um, there's certainly a world where, you know, central bank digital currency can be distributed through the commercial banking sector, through fintechs. Um, we don't have to do this necessarily through central bank or federal reserve accounts for retail individuals. But all of that will continue to be fleshed out. The big thing that I think changed in a positive development is just the, the tone and nature of the conversation around CBDC in the U.S. And uh, Chris, back to the point you made before, I think a lot of that is driven by following what's been happening overseas as well. Just that in terms of the tone of the conversation changing, I mean, some people made a similar comment about the House uh, cryptocurrency hearings uh, uh, late last year. And, and the fact that although there was plenty of disagreement, uh, the tone was, yeah, I mean, remarkably normal and, and even technocratic. And that was, for plenty of people, uh, a win. 
But the the I Can't Believe I'm Dreaming Award for me had to be uh, during the DC FinTech Week conference. Uh, the head of the BIS, uh, Augustine Carsons, basically said that, you know, uh, as part of his job and, and how he views, you know, the, the role of, of central bankers and regulators, he basically said that people can't be afraid of failure. And I just thought that was, that was a, a remarkably um, blunt and an and, and interesting comment. And it, it really, you know, I felt like I was dreaming because a lot of times I think people um, on, on varying issues, no matter where they, they stand, you know, they, there's, there's a certain degree of, uh, of, of, of confidence uh, and, and sometimes overconfidence and, and surety on, on different kinds of positions and just sort of realizing that, uh, you know, the, the, the world is uncertain. Um, and, and, and you have to adjust to those uncertainties and be prepared uh, for some of your guesses to be wrong. Yeah, you know, I, I, I thought that was very refreshing and, and, and very interesting, especially seeing that from, from someone um, of, of his stature. Our next award goes to the You Gotta Be Kidding Me, or even more affectionately, It Will Be Bad Before It Gets Worse Award. Drumroll, please. Okay, Dan, what do you think? All right. So, so this is the flip side, right? This is the most negative development of 2021. Um, look, I, th- I, I'll, I think that there is a, a view uh, in Washington uh, that we've been hearing recently that, that most innovation, whether it be you know, stable coins or otherwise, and, and most financial intermediaries you know, should be full insured depository institutions. So kind of put into the format or framework for a traditional depository bank. Um, and there's been a view that this framework, you know, potentially should be mandatory. Um, that troubles me a, a, a bit, Chris, because, you know, I think if we look back, it's, it's, it's not as if the traditional uh, banking system has always been a driver of, of access, of inclusion, of innovation, um, and I think instead, it's going to be really important that we continue to look for policies that can encourage new entrants, that encourages competition, and encourages innovation. So that's something that I think we have to keep an eye out uh, for. I think that you know discussions around tailored charters, thinking about payments innovation, how do we encourage um, greater speed, more competition, lower cost, more transparency. These are the types of ultimate objectives that we really need to be driving towards and then, you know, working backwards from that to figure out what's the best, most tailored framework that mitigates risks, um, but also serves these overarching public policy objectives. So that will be an interesting place to watch uh, heading into 2022. Yeah, so I, I'm going to totally cheat on this answer by giving an answer that's not really a fintech answer, but it, it, it will, you know, or actually two things maybe, that will at least impact fintech. So, you know, the, it will be bad uh, before it gets worse. You know, Omicron, you know, mm. combined with inflation. Um, I, I think that both of those developments are really interesting. Um, obviously, as, as matters of, of public policy and, and, and public health. 
But also, you know, I think that they're just interesting to the degree to which they will exacerbate or undermine different kinds of trends that we're seeing in the sector. So, you know, with inflation and and what that means if we have higher interest rate policies, and and what does that mean for all that funding uh, that you identified early on uh, that's been going into the fintech sector, to, I guess, the countervailing development, you know, of of, of Omicron and and maybe a, a, a deepening entrenchment uh, or double downing on the digital transformation of the country. And 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 then again, what, what that could mean, um, both in the short and, and, and midterm for uh, the development of, of, of the fintech uh, ecosystem. As we move now a little bit closer through our varying awards and designations, we have the what you're most scared of in 2022 or the I sleep under my bed when I think about this award of 2022. Drum roll, please. Dan, what makes you want to crawl up underneath your bed for 2022? Well, I almost want to say your previous answer, Chris, Omicron and inflation, although probably more Omicron's got me, uh, you know, wanting to sleep under my bed. But um, no, let's see, what am I most scared of? You know, Chris, you and I, you talked about we've been we've been, uh, you know, friends and focused on fintech and policy and regulation for, for, I think, more than a decade now. And, you know, one of the things that I think has always been a driver for the work that we do is wanting to make sure that, you know, we're actually improving the real world, people's lives. Um, and, and that should always be the driver of, of, I think, financial policy, financial regulation should keep those objectives in mind. I worry that we, you know, we, we've got to avoid overly politicizing um, regulation, you know, maybe the idea of, 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 of uh, technocrats and academics focusing on regulation that's pursuing actual objectives, I think is really important. Um, so that's where I have a little trepidation uh, is to make sure we keep that in mind and, and continue to drive towards like the key objectives, innovation, competition, positive impact. And, you know, to the innovators out there, um, I think a, a, an important message is to make sure that you're really you're really showing, you're really demonstrating impact, not just telling, not just saying, hey, here's here's the potential benefit of what we're doing. You got to show it. And, and I think that's an important part of all of this is to make sure that we focus again on end results and real outcomes. So I did I did not know that that was going to uh, be your, your answer because I actually had politicization of financial regulation as as, as well. And, and, and by that, you know, it's just that there was always, look, you know, as many people will say, financial regulation, you know, it, it obviously has a, a policy underbelling, you know, and 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 people have their own um, preferences and 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 ideological takes on on how um, you know the, the economy should should operate. But you know, I, I think that financial regulation is something that's really hard to wing. Uh, you know, if you if you don't pay attention to the details. And you know it, it is it's it's an area um, of nuance, and and because it's an area of nuance, it, it really doesn't lend itself very well to politicization, and it's it's easy to get wrong, and 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 when you do get wrong, or or when you do get it wrong, um, you know p- politicization can uh, become its own form of systemic risk, you know whatever you know from from whatever direction you're 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 looking at it. And 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 I think um, 
you know, at, at, at times I'm more optimistic, at others maybe a little bit less so. And, and, and I agree, it's 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 definitely something uh, that I'm going to be keeping my out my eye out on uh, in the coming year. Okay, shifting gears, we are now going to go and think about uh, what we're most optimistic about in 2022, or the Life is Full of Roses Award. Drum roll, please. Dan, what makes you think that the world is full of roses? I'm glad we're going back that direction because, you know, I tend to be an eternal optimist. And uh, uh, let me say this. I'll kind of bring this full circle. We talked a little bit about the amount of capital flowing into, you know, the fintech space and innovation. I think it's also true that the best and brightest are increasingly moving and gravitating to this space. I think many of them are incredibly mission-driven about what can we do to really improve lives? Can we deliver services faster, lower cost, more efficiently, more inclusively? Um, All of those things I think are incredibly exciting. So I think also back to your point, we have exceeded the tipping point where fintech is no longer a separate siloed thing. It is financial services. It 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 is how we are going to access how we're going to receive services. Um, And that's incredibly exciting because I think that there's actually a lot that we're about to unlock. Um, I will say one particular area that's really interesting to me is open banking. The idea of empowering consumers with with permissioned and secure ability to share their financial data and information and what that could unlock, I think is incredibly exciting. And I, I don't know that most people uh, appreciate the, yet what that will mean for innovation and competition. And I think we're still early stages there. So um, I'm excited. I think it is going to be a great year uh, and just encourage folks, all, all folks, all stakeholders to keep their eye on the ball as to why we're innovating, why are we developing, you know, and make sure we're actually benefiting people at the end of the day. So, so you know, I'm going to take that last bit of your last answer for what makes me look uh, or think a, a bit more optimistically about this upcoming year. I, I agree. You know, I, I think that um, if you're in an innovative space uh, where there is uncertainty, getting back to sort of um, Augustine uh, uh, Carson's uh, remarks, then it's kind of, you know, it becomes more incumbent upon you to really think hard about you know, what is the the value of, you know, your particular innovation. And I, and I do, I am increasingly optimistic that when you get to some of the frontier technologies, um, open banking, uh, for sure, but even uh, machine learning and AI, even, even cryptos, uh, you're, you're seeing much more attention being brought to bear on, you know, that aspect of, 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 of not just saying you're going to do something, but also concentrating on the question of existing use cases and, and showing that early on and, and making that much more concrete um, as opposed to theoretical and, and, and on paper. And um, my, my hunch is that we're going to see a lot more of that in 2022. And, and certainly, I think that's going to be a, a welcome development that, that could also lead to uh, you know, a, a much more productive policy conversation. Dan, I think that is it. I mean, you know, it, it just sort of flew by our, our, our different kinds of uh, awards. But I guess, you know, I'll just leave you with this. You know, you and I, you know, we've, 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 we've been talking 
as you had mentioned, for for a decade about this stuff. And we've seen the field sort of develop and and change, and and it, its arc has 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 kind of evolved. You know, what do you think was the most surprising development um, of the past year, or I should say, uh, uh, what kinds of surprises do you think we may be seeing in the year ahead? You know, I, I, that's a great question. And I'm going to say this. I do think that a lot of this innovation that we're talking about is just building on the promise that the internet afforded us, uh, you know, decades ago, which is to connect people, to connect computers, but, but by doing that, connecting people and making it really seamless and frictionless to transact, to share information. And a lot of that information is information about value and about ownership over, over value. And, and that is incredibly powerful. You know, the, the more we break down traditional gatekeepers, traditional intermediaries in the financial system and empower individuals to, to control their financial lives, um, uh, to be able to transact, that's incredibly exciting. And, and you know, there, there are these concepts of the different layers of the internet and whether this is kind of a new financial layer. I think we're moving in that direction. So, you know, whether that's a surprise or not, I, I don't know if I would say that. But, you know, it, it, I do think at the end of the day to, to bring this back to our, our, our favorite asset, you know, Bitcoin and to say, what did Bitcoin do? Well, you know, Bitcoin was about capturing imagination and it, it did that. It captured people's imagination as to how you can automate activity, how you can connect more directly and, 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 and how you might be able to reduce some of the rents that traditional intermediaries charged. And a lot of financial innovation is going to continue to move in that direction because it got us thinking about it and it got a lot of smart minds trying to figure out how to do that. So I don't know if I answered your question, but in classic Washington style, you know, I no, I, no, I that was very good. That was a very good classic <laughs> Washington style. I mean, I, I think my my spontaneous answer to my own question that I'm you know extemporaneously answering would be here's here's my guess. I think you know, as most people around the Beltway know, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of regulation in this upcoming year. There's going to be you know everything from enforcement actions ranging you know from in different sectors all the way to different kinds of regulatory proposals. And my hunch is there will still be plenty of people who are surprised by that. Uh, even though I think the the, the signs have been there that um, you know that there, there's definitely going to be a lot of movement in in the regulatory arena. Uh, Dan as always, my friend, thanks so much for joining the podcast and, and helping me to ring in uh, the new year and, and to reflect on the last year. Uh, your insights are truly invaluable, um, as is, frankly, your uh, holiday cheer. So uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, Chris, and uh, you know, happy to join you anytime. Nobody does it better. Uh, you, you are, you are the ultimate in uh, thoughtful, provoking, thoughtful conversation and discussion. So, thank you. Keep doing that. For more than a couple of us, 2022 looks alarmingly like 2021. We're dodging health threats, looking forward to more vaccinations, and wondering just what the economy will have in store for us, given all the uncertainty. But the one constant I've seen over the years is that financial technology will, to paraphrase Jurassic Park, find a way to keep at the top of national headlines. And at the beat, we'll be looking forward with some changes of our own to tackle these issues head on. So here's to you, our listeners, 
and our very best wishes for a healthy, productive, and meaningful 2022. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'd love to get your feedback. If you'd like to get in touch, just hit me up at Chris Brummer DR. That's at C-H-R-I-S-B-R-U-M-M-E-R-D-R. We'd love to hear from you.